You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Lipid Lumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown, and joining me today is one of my favorite people, Dr. W. Virgil Brown, Charles Howard Candler, Professor of Medicine Emeritus at Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. Today we're going to talk about the question, is there an age where we need to stop statin therapy, or is there an age where we shouldn't start statin therapy? So, Virgil, I can't tell you how happy I am to talk with you today on a topic that many physicians are concerned about. Well, it's always a pleasure, Alan. Uh, This is an important topic because uh, we do have an aging population. The number of people over 80 is uh, just growing by leaps and bounds, and we have a huge population over 90. So this is a very relevant issue, and uh, we need to talk about it in depth. So this is very interesting because, on the one hand, somehow people feel that once you get over a certain age, there's no hope for you. And yet, on the other hand, the biggest cause of morbidity in the elderly are strokes and heart attacks, and they're the most likely group to get them. So tell us a little bit about the role of statins in patients over, say, 80 years old, and is there any data for their benefits or lack thereof? Well, yes, there is benefit. It usually is at the extreme of some of the trials. Uh, There have been trials that have actually looked at the elderly, uh, uh, favored them in the recruitment, and one that I participated in is monitoring the data for a trial in Europe called PROSPER, which included patients over 70, and there were many in the 80s uh, in that trial. The trial demonstrated that probostatin was able to reduce myocardial infarction and coronary events quite rapidly, and in fact, the trial only went three and a half years and had a highly statistically significant result. We were hoping to show that the stroke would be prevented in that short period of time, but it was not. There, of course, have been many trials that have shown that you can reduce strokes by lowering cholesterol in younger people, but I think those trials often required longer observation periods of five years or so before the stroke benefit really became clear. So uh, I think personally uh, there is no reason to pay too much attention to age. The real issue here is how healthy the individual is. And we know that there are people still working at age 90 doing exercise and so forth. And those people, when they have a high cholesterol, I believe very strongly need to be treated. So I think the issue is not so, so much the number of years you spend on this earth, but the condition you're in at the end of those years. So let me ask you, obviously you're not going to treat everybody at 80 or 90, right? Do you focus more on secondary prevention, or is there a primary prevention group in the octogenarian age group that you would think about therapy? Absolutely. I think the, the primary prevention is first and foremost. Those are the people you're likely to help most. There are people that I would not treat who are elderly, And those are the people who've already had multiple vascular events. It has been shown that post-infarct, there was at least one study that had found that about 80 persons did not have benefit from statin therapy. And, of course, the problem is if you have a patient who's in their 80s who's had vascular events, they have a relatively short life expectancy, so you often don't have time to really observe the benefit of statins. It takes time, it takes years. So um, persons who are in bad shape, as it were, those who suffered vascular events, those who have serious other events such as chronic pulmonary disease, heart failure, stroke, many of the ailments that older people suffer 
may well not be candidates for a statin therapy. So um, I think you have to look at, again, individual conditions before you make a judgment about statins. And I think you need to have someone who's going to have four or five years as a minimum when you start statin treatment. So this is very interesting. So what about the guy who had his first bypass surgery at 78 years old and is well, otherwise again, pretty again, Some people who've had bypass surgery come off the table and go through a general cardiac rehab program and are back uh, very functional. And that person I would certainly treat. Uh, we know that bypass grafts themselves are protected by statins within a five-year time frame. There was a big trial called a post-cabbage study that showed that aggressive cholesterol reduction prevented not only new events in the arteries, but also in the grafts that were implanted by the surgeon. So, yeah, I would treat that person unless there was some reason not to treat them. And again, uh, you look at the patient, you decide uh, if they have so many other problems that their life expectancy is low, those are the people that I would not add another drug, such as a statin to, in most cases. Sure, that makes sense. What about the goal of therapy? So, as you know, we're in this whirlwind of discussion of the latest set of guidelines that don't really focus on a goal. Is there anything from the randomized clinical trials that would tell us how we should be dosing patients? I think the new guidelines do suggest uh, not going to high-dose statins in people over 75, but what's your thought on that? Well, uh, uh, I have problems with that because the guidelines are supposed to be so evidence-based, but actually if you look at the adverse effect rates in statin-treated patients, there is no age relationship. Older people do quite well in terms of the incidence of liver dysfunction, and they, many of them already have muscle problems, so it's hard to tell if there's any, any relationship to statin therapy and muscle disorders in older people at a different rate from younger people. But the good news is that the statins seem to be quite safe in older people. And certainly you want to monitor anyone that you're treating to look for potential adverse effects. But that has never stopped me from treating a lower, older person, and I treat them as aggressively as I would a younger person, even more so. So uh, I'm not afraid to go to the top dose of statins. I like to start at lower doses because some people respond dramatically, and you don't know who those are unless you give them a try on a lower dose of a statin. So I've had patients who have had 50% reduction on the starting dose, the lowest dose of a given statin. And uh, I think if that is the case and you, you can treat satisfactorily with a low dose, why give them a high dose? So I think the physician should follow patients and determine their own individual response before you push a high-dose statin onto a patient for many years. That is one of the things that I do object to in the new guidelines, this idea that you just start everyone that you can on the very highest dose of statins. Yes, and so you're still looking at numbers. Absolutely. You know, if you want to find a number that predicts the outcome in a trial, the LDL cholesterol is about as good as it gets, so you can measure LDL by other means, of course. You can look at the protein part of LDL, or you can look at the total number of particles that have this ApoB protein on them, and all of those are very good indicators during trials of success. We know that you get regression in at least small trials when you get LDL down below 60 or so, but there's a lot of individual variability in that. and. 
So I think you have to determine how the patient's responding to your drug. You have to have an idea in mind as to what you think is an appropriate level for their LDL and you treat to that. The limitation being the composite of safe drugs. You don't want to put people on four or five different drugs to gain another five or ten percent LDL reduction when you already are in a satisfactory range. And I think having people below a hundred is a good place. If they go you know, closer to 70, I'm happier. But again, you don't push the drugs to the point that you have adverse effects when you can get into that range of around 70 to 100 in most people. Now, there are patients where you see evidence of very high risk and rapid progression of disease, and there is evidence that in people with active disease, going down below 70 uh, is probably a good place to be for them. So I, I think knowing where the patient is, being able to explain to the patient what you're trying to achieve with therapy, certainly they all know you're trying to prevent them from having a heart attack or a stroke, but the other issue is what's going on in the interim. You know, what are you doing visit to visit to show success of therapy? And without some sort of idea of guidelines, of numbers, it's hard to explain to a patient that you know what you're doing. And so I feel strongly that having a concept in older people as to how much you want to lower their cholesterol is an important part of the art of therapy. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and I'm with Dr. Virgil Brown today. We're discussing whether we should stop statins because of age. So, Virgil, you kind of eloquently pointed out variable effects at different doses do you worry a little bit more about the starting dose in older patients then, and do, do you tend to start them on a lower dose and see what the result is? And tell us a little bit about that as well as the incidence of adverse effects. Many things come into play as to which statin and how much of that statin you use when you talk to your patient and evaluate their risk. Many of your patients these days have already been on a statin, and they have concepts in mind as to whether those statins were effective, whether they were caused problems, and you have to work your way through that. They also bring information about how much their LDL fell with a given drug, and so you have different starting places with different patients. I like to use the newer, higher-dose statins. I like the statins that give you a lot of reduction and a wide range of dosing, but those are like, important to start them at a low dose. You may find that one-eighth of the maximum dose is enough to get you where you want to be with a, a patient. And it's nice to be aware of that. The only way you find out is to treat that patient because patients are so different in their response. Uh, some patients will have a 60% reduction with a dose of a drug that produces a 15 or 20% reduction in another patient. So you have to treat each patient as a gentle experiment explaining to the patient what you're trying to achieve and, and how you plan to do it. And I think that's particularly a, a problem in older people. They have been through a lot by the time you see an 80-year-old, and they deserve a good explanation for what you want to achieve in them and why you're giving them a certain medication. Yeah, so in the older patients, first do no harm, as they say. And, of course, the patients, if they're feeling well and they're in their 80s, they're more skeptical, I think, of the healthcare system, despite the fact that they're more worried about some impending morbidity. But with that said, then I know a lot of them question their 
potential for having liver toxicity or muscle toxicity. What can you tell us about this age group over 80 years old and whether or not they have a higher potential for hepatic or, or muscle toxicity? Yeah, the data would not support that idea. There are no good data in large numbers of people that suggest that they have increased toxicity. There are trials that have uh, looked at the extremes of age and found uh, increased toxicity. One of our safest drugs, rosuvastatin, was used in its initial studies in people who were in their, their 90s and who many of whom had renal disease, which we know is also a setup for drug toxicity. And in that, little ladies who were, had a slow body weight had a higher incidence of muscle toxicity, but and that was at the highest dose, a dose that was actually not even approved by the FDA in part because of that study. But this drug is so effective, even at lower doses that, and safe at these lower doses, that I would use them in anyone that I felt was deserved to have their LDL reduced significantly. So, you know, I think you can push it too hard, particularly people with a low body weight, low muscle mass, and, and very elderly. But those are really uh, unusual patients to come for statin therapy. So I think a physician has to use common sense. But to be honest, the trials that have looked at the 70 and 80 year olds have found very little evidence, particularly if they're healthy, for increased toxicity in the liver or in the muscle. So I could talk to you for hours, as I often do, but we have about three minutes left, and I wanted to ask you about a couple other things that are pertinent, not only to the elderly, but everybody. The first one is this issue of dementia, and we've all had patients who felt like their ability to calculate may have been affected by their statin, and they seem to get better when you stop it yet that doesn't seem to show up as a big issue in clinical trials. And on the other hand, we hear news that meta-analyses of statin trials suggest that maybe you prevent dementia by reducing cholesterol. And certainly, mechanistically, that makes sense. So sort out for our listeners, what's the current thinking about this issue of dementia and statins? Yeah, I think, uh, as you've implied, it's, it's mainly stories uh, from individual patients. It is not documented by clinical trials that statins actually help in reducing the incidence of dementia or progression of dementia. The PROSPER study looked very carefully at the brain, looking at multiple tests of memory as well as MRIs of the brain and found no benefit over a three and a half year period. They also found no deterioration in mental function while on statin therapy. And there have been multiple studies. There have been sleep studies looking for neurological dysfunction, sleep disorders with statins that have failed to find anything. So I think it's highly unlikely that we're likely to see, at least in the short term. Now, in the longer term, vascular dementia is getting more and more attention these days, and it probably is as much as 30% of dementia. So here we know that we can prevent thrombotic disease in the brain and with statins, or at least reduce it. And so I think uh, for the long haul, you know, the 10, 15-year time frame, one might like, is likely to see a reduction in vascular dementia. Sure, that makes sense, right? The risk factors are the blood pressure and cholesterol. And uh, my gut feeling is there might be some people who have some underlying predisposition to having a problem with calculating on statins because I've had a few patients that were pretty solid historians, 
who were physicists, for example, who told me they absolutely could tell a difference, and, and many others that have no issue. So I, I've always wondered if there's some predisposition there that only certain individuals have this reaction, and that's why we don't see it show up in clinical trials. Yeah, I know. It, it's you, you never know. You know, you you have an impression uh, that uh, this may be happening, but to give scientific proof that leads to recommendations to your other patients is just not there. We just don't have it. Well, Virgil, thank you very much for clarifying the issue of the use of statins in the elderly population. And as always, I really appreciate your insights and your time. Well, thank you for asking me to join you. It's been fun. I hope I added something here that's worthwhile to our elderly population. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and you've been listening to Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com slash lipids, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you very much for listening.